Well, good morning. Welcome to Shepherd's Gate. My name is John. I get to be one of the pastors here. Thank you so much for being here with us today. If you're a guest, thanks for coming to hang out and spend some of your day with us today. Truly can't tell you thank you enough for choosing to do that. If you're joining us online, uh, jealous to wherever you are that's probably uh, gorgeous and beautiful uh, that you're spending some quality time at uh, today. But thanks for spending some time with us online as well. Uh, if there's everything we can do for you, whether you're new here or joining us online, make sure you let us know. Uh, thanks for coming today as we start a brand new sermon series for the month of, it says September. Is it September? Wow. Where'd the summer go? Anybody? Anybody else surprised? Wow, that went by fast. Went by so fast. If you're, if you're like thinking right now, wow, you sound old guy, that means you're really young. You're way younger than me. Because, yes, as you get older, like, time just goes by so much faster, so much faster, and it's amazing. Uh, the only thing that I remember when I was younger, growing up in the, in the 90s and early 90s, that I liked about um, a new season was uh, the new season, the new fall, meant a new lineup of some of my favorite shows on TGIF. Anybody remember? <laughs> I remember TGIF? Oh, I love TGIF. Grandma and I would have our popcorn and we'd watch our shows. It was so much fun. Now, this was back in the day where you didn't get to choose what show you wanted to watch. It was whatever show came on TV and you had to watch commercials. <laughs> Anybody remember some of those? Wow, yeah, you had to watch commercials. Uh, there was also some, one of these things where you actually had to watch the theme song of every show at the beginning. Do you remember the theme song thing, right? And every, song, every show had its own theme song, and they also had the camera zoom into each character. Do you remember that? And the character would act surprised that there was a camera, right? And the camera would zoom in, and they're doing something. They'd go, <laughs> you remember that? Every show would be the same thing. So I thought we'd play a little game. Uh, and I want you to guess the theme song. We're just going to do two of them. Guess the theme song of which TGIF show this is. Let's, let's listen to this first one. Full House. That one was easy. All right. Good old Full House. All right. Let's do the next one. Oh, come on. Family Matters. Thank you. That was my favorite one. I love Family Matters. Uh, so, so two of my favorite shows. I love those shows. And I love the theme songs, right? Because that intro, that intro helped you to kind of hit the reset. It helped you to know that the next show was coming. It was kind of the margin in between one show to the next. And the other day, I was watching a show on Netflix, and I realized I actually got mad. I got mad at myself because on Netflix, you get the opportunity when you're watching one show and it goes to the next show in the same season to skip that intro, doesn't it? and I missed the opportunity to skip it. And I had to watch that whole intro, and I was so mad. I was like, I'm wasting 37 seconds of my life right now. And then I went, wait a minute, there used to be a time where that wasn't even an option. And that made me think about this series and kind of life in general. It's kind of indicative of our lives, isn't it? This idea of margin. As margin is not a bad thing. As margin helps us to hit the reset. It helps us to go, well, we're ending one thing that we're doing, and we're going to start something else. And it's that white space in between. It's that time of pause, that time of reset, that time of space that just gives us a pause to say, okay, something new is about to come. Let me, hit, let me get my brain in a new mode. Let me get my body and my family and my priorities all in a new mode and ready for what's to come. And I have to be honest with you, the idea of margin doesn't make me feel very comfortable. 
So i got to ask you, in our binge-hungry culture, how does the idea of adding margin to your life make you feel? For me, it feels wasteful. It feels lazy. This idea of adding margin to my life, adding moments of pause, adding moments of rest, adding moments of kind of a break from one activity to the next, I feel like, man, I could be doing something else. That's 37 seconds of my life I'm wasting. It could, I could be moving on to the next episode. It could be do, moving on to the next task. I be, could be moving on to the next thing I have to do at work or at home or around the house or for my boys. What about for you? How does that feel? I think the reality is the reason it feels so wasteful, it feels so stressful, it feels like there's no way I can have margin in my life is because the answer from the world is that the world says you need to be doing more and accomplishing more. I think about our world in a binge-hungry culture. What's the answer? Do more, accomplish more, watch more, experience more. And the more that you do, the more that you accomplish, the better you'll feel. And I'll have to, I have to ask you this. As you continue to add more and to try and do more in your life, do you feel more fulfilled or more fatigued? Another, another way to ask this is, in our world, and as the world adds its demands of doing more, does it do more for you or take more from you? For me, man, I feel drained. I feel fatigued. Everybody I ask, I've talked to, over and over again, it feels like it just takes more from me. Even as we begin this series, and I'm going to be real with you, as we begin a series on priorities, I'm going to be very real with you today. I hate sermon series on priorities. <laughs> I hate blog posts on priorities. I hate when friends try and talk to me about priorities. I hate it all. And here's why. Because so many times, here's what it means. It means to me that somebody's trying to point their finger at me and say, here's what you're not doing right. Here's how you're not succeeding. Here's how you're not doing good well enough. Or here's what I need to take from you. You, you're, you, need, you need to give me more. You need to do more for me. Right? The other day I was driving down the highway and I saw a sign that said families that stick together, or st families that pray together stick together. Now, for a guy that just went through a divorce... I didn't read that sign very encouragingly. I read that sign as a finger in my face if you would have prayed more. Or I read it as, well, man, John, you better. You better be praying more with your boys. So what's going to happen? I didn't read it as, well, man, John, doesn't it feel so much better when you pray with your boys? Because it does. At night when we get together and my boys thank Jesus and they go, thank you, Jesus, for daddy. Right? It feels as good. It's good for me. And here's my hope for us. Here's what I want to do, and here's my whole hope with this series, because from a guy who hates sermon series on priorities, I wrote this series. And I wrote this series. <laughs> You're wondering, what is this Pastor Tim thinking, given this guy? But I'm being real with you. I wrote this series from the heart of, look, I don't want to add more to your plate. I'm not looking to point a finger at you. I'm not looking to take more from you. I want to do this, and I want to launch this series today with one goal in mind. So I want you to realize that there is more for you. There is more for you out there. And so in this series, here's our goals. We're going to set some priorities. We're going to find some margin. But more and more, I just want you to experience better. There is better out there. And so many times in this rat race of life, in this binge-hungry culture of ours, this on-demand culture of ours, 
we think we just got to keep going and keep going and keep going until we die. What I want us to do is I want us to know that there is a God that's out there. And maybe for you, you go, yeah, I don't know about that. I'd say, well, what do you got to lose? The way it's been going so far, it's not been getting any better. So I'd say, let's give this a try. Let's see what we might experience as we dive into this God of ours who says, you know what, I, I might have a different way. And it's a God who's not wanting to point a finger at you. He's not looking to take more from you. He's looking to have more for you. And so my goal today is simply that, is I want us to look at our text today, to look at our God today, and to say, okay, he's not, he's not pointing a finger at us in this series. In these next four weeks after today, he's not trying to point a finger at us. He's not trying to take it from us. He's a God who wants more for us. And so I want you to come week after week after week and hear just that. And so as we dive in today, we're going we're gonna to be actually this whole series looking at the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews, I'm going to be real with you, is a very dense book. It's a book that I worded it this way because it sounds nicer on the slide. It's an intricate masterpiece of the New Testament. An intricate masterpiece. And why do I write it that way? Because it, is, it can be a dense book. It's very nicely written. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. But you may read some of it and go, wait, what? Wait, what? Huh? What's going on? Now, here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing about the computer, right, and the internet and, and our culture we have today. You can go on BibleGateway.com. You can go to Hebrews. You can look at all different translations. You can even look at some nice paraphrases like the message. And, and it words it in a different way that you can understand it. And I encourage you, if you read it in the ESV, which is the version that you have in the Bibles in front of you, um, and you go, I'm not quite sure about that. Don't worry about playing around and seeing some different versions that you might go, oh, okay, now I'm understanding a little bit. But even if you don't quite understand all of it, just get into it and read it with us and walk along the journey with us as we go through this. Because I promise you, there's going to be some pretty neat things that you're going to find through here. Uh, the other cool thing about Hebrews is that we don't actually know exactly who wrote it. Now, a lot of scholars will say Paul wrote it. Um, and we just don't know for sure because unlike his other letters, Paul didn't write that he wrote it, right? He didn't claim Hebrews. Um, it's a little different how this one is written compared to his other letters, so we're not 100% sure on that. But what the point of this letter is, is that it was written to as an encouragement to Jewish Christians who were under intense pressure and persecution, and they were falling away from their faith. And here's the thing, I'm not saying that we're under persecution. We're actually still very blessed. We can worship today. We can talk about Jesus. We can pray together. We're not there. But I would say we're under some pressure. I want to say that we're looking for some answers. We need some encouragement, and Hebrews provides that. And so we're going to look at that. And so what I encourage you to do is if uh, you don't have your own Bible, hey, grab the Bible in front of you, underneath your seat if you're in the front row. Uh, any other seats, it's right in front of you. It's on page 1001. It's a book of Hebrews. If you don't have your own Bible, take this one home with you. This is our gift to you. It's the best gift we could ever give to you. That's what we believe. Um, and we'd love for you to have this one and keep it. If you're on, uh, joining us on live stream, again, go to BibleGateway.com. You can see all different versions of the Bible. The version we're using is the ESV or English Standard Version. And we're just going to walk through the first couple of chapters. Chapter one, we're just going to go through pretty quickly. And we're going to dive in a little bit more to chapter two. Now, chapter one, what I love about chapter one is it's really all about 
Jesus. Uh, honestly, all of Hebrews is all about Jesus. It keeps drawing us back to Jesus. But chapter 1, um, what's interesting is there must have been something going on about angels in uh, the church back then. And if you don't know anything about angels, or uh, I think in our culture today, we all have some sort of concept of angels. And if not, uh, honestly, most times in our culture, they kind of represent good, right? Usually there's that good angel and ba bad angel. Uh, even in one of the shows we talked about from TGIF and Family Matters, you can Google Steve Urkel. Anybody remember Steve Urkel from Family Matters? An angel, if you Google that, you, some of you are going to do that right now because you're bored. Um, <laughs> and you'll see him as an angel on one of the TV shows. Uh, and an angel is a created being by God who serves him and he serves uh, those that he asks them, them to serve, right? They're spiritual beings that serve. That's what an angel is. And there must have been something happening where angels were kind of started to be lifted up a little too high. And so the writer is kind of doing some comparison things between angels and Jesus. And what the writer's saying is not that angels are bad, nothing wrong with them. It's saying, look, we trusted the words of angels, but Jesus, Jesus is so much more. And so it goes back and forth and back and forth to this idea in the first chapter of, okay, angels, yes, but Jesus. And so in first, uh, verse 3, we see the very first thing about Jesus. Uh, what I love about it, it says, He is the radiance, right? Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. I mean, it's, again, see, dense but beautiful language to describe Jesus. This is Jesus. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of God's nature. That's beautiful. This is Jesus. This is who Jesus is. Jesus is God, right? The angels carry great words. The angels do great things. But this, this is Jesus. Jesus is God. And over and over again in the chapter, it keeps going, angels, yes, but Jesus. Jesus is who we listen to. Jesus is what our faith is founded on. Now, towards the end of the chapter, what we see is, um, again, comparative verses. But then in verse 13, it says, into which of the angels has he ever said? Now this, it says, to which of the angels has God ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Now, who did he say that to? He said that to Jesus, right? God says this of Jesus, that you're going to sit at my right hand. That is the elevation Jesus has that angels don't have. And the reason I want us to read 14 is because this is the turn from chapter 1 to chapter 2. Angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Again, beautifully written, but let's give it some more basic wording. So, angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve? So they serve, right? They're spirits that serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Who are those who are to inherit salvation? People, right? So here's the turn. Here's the turn from chapter 1 to chapter 2. This is where God is going. This is where the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, Jesus, it's all about Jesus. And then into chapter 2, it's all about Jesus. But not only is Jesus greater than angels, not only are angels there to serve Jesus, not only are angels there to serve the needs of Jesus, not only is Jesus greater than angels, Angels are also there to serve those who are to inherit salvation. Angels are there to serve people. People. See, these angels that you've been upholding, these angels who we think, man, they're so great. And even in our world today, and sometimes you hear people, you know, someone passes away and they say, oh, God, God got another angel. And I would say, well, I get the heart behind that, right? There's nothing, you know, no, somebody's not trying to be negative about that. 
the heart behind that's good, but the reality is people are actually exalted above angels. And we get that in chapter 2. In chapter 2, we get this idea that in chapter 1, it's Jesus. In chapter 2, God says, Jesus is the priority, but I also have a priority of you. I have a priority of you. And this is the foundation that I want to lay for our entire series is that as we hear about priorities for my life and for yours, as we hear about these ideas of what can we change in our lives that maybe we could experience better, maybe, just maybe, we can listen to this God who has a priority of us. And we see that. We see that starting in verse 5. So chapter 2, verse 5. So on page 1001, it says, for it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come. It was not to angels that God made the world. It was not to, not to the angels, not to anybody else. God didn't even make the world for himself. God created the world for you. Even if you think it's crazy to think that God created the world and created us, even to say, man, what if? What if there is this God and he created this whole world and he did it all because he loves you? Man, he's got to really love you. I mean, when I think about my house, I remember designing my house and when I designed my house, I had kids in mind and now I have kids in it and they destroy it. <laughs> and it breaks my heart. <laughs> but what gets me through it? I designed it with them in mind. Right? I, a church member, it was an empty nester, said, uh, she gave me comfort. She said, well, my husband used to always say when the kids were growing up, well, at least one day we won't have to worry about selling the house. Eventually, it'll just all fall apart. <laughs> so that's one good way of looking at it. But what gets me through is I designed it for them. I want you to think about that. We have a God who created a whole universe for you. And sometimes with the hustle and bustle, with an on-demand world, we're just trying to get from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. We miss out on the beauty of a world that God created for us. And you know what helps me to remember that is actually my kids. Just a few weeks ago, my kids took a hike with my mom, with their grandma. And on the way back, I heard my son running through the house and, Dad, 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 I found a baby frog and he's going to live in my backpack forever. <laughs> and I went, you did what? And I quickly changed to, oh, you did what? Yay! He was so excited that he caught this little baby frog. He couldn't wait to show me and show me how he's going to live in his backpack forever <laughs> because grandma doesn't know how to say no because grandmas, you don't know how to say no. <laughs> Thanks, grandmas. And uh, he was so excited. He was so excited by God's creation. So excited by that little frog that God created. And I go, man, how, how much do we miss out? I would have walked right past that. My kids took it excited. And I would just encourage you, as you walk out there, as you see the trees and the sunshine, 
and the blades of grass and the flowers. And you see the creation that God created for you, not for the angels, not for himself, for you. Just start to think, man, God really had a priority of me. He really had a focus on me. And didn't stop there. It didn't stop there. We see in verse 9. See, when we had walked away from God, even though he had created the world for us, we wanted more, and so God had a plan even after that. It says, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus. So here God in Jesus actually allowed himself to be made human, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So here's what we see in this. This is a beautiful way that it's written to basically say, here God didn't just create the world for you to let you live in it. And even when you rejected him, even when you ran away from him, he said, oh man, I still love them and I still want what's best for them. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to actually become human for them. And now I'm going to become human. No, I'm going to keep going. And so I'm going to look, let's go to 16 verses, uh, 16 to 18. It's on the next page. Here's what it says. Not for angels, right? For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham, which is who? People, right? It's another, it's another nice way of saying people. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers, that's us, in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. So a priest is someone who would offer a sacrifice in the service of God. And here's another big word, to make propitiation. That means to appease God. That's all it means, to appease God for the sins of the people. So he made a payment to God. What did he, how, how did he make a payment to God? With his life, right? For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Did I say this was a dense book? It's a dense book. But man, it's beautiful. And it's worth getting through. Because over and over again, what did this chapter tell you? Man, God has a priority of you. God had a priority of you from the beginning when he created the world. He has a priority of you today as he speaks his word to you today and next week and the week after and the week after through this series. And he has a priority of you into eternity. This is what I hope you get out of this series. I don't want you to leave any of these weeks thinking, man, I gotta add another to-do list, another task list to this. No, I want you to think, think about this question. What will it look like? What will it look like if I make God's priority my priority? What will it look like? And I know so often we think, we think of our to-do list and we think of our priority list that looks like this already. And it probably has so many more things on it. And we think, oh, man, how do I add, how do I add more? How do I add more, right? He's telling me I gotta make God's priority my priority. I gotta make God's priorities my priorities. Man, I gotta add more on there. I gotta add more. I gotta add more. How am I gonna do that? See, that's not what I want you to walk away from any of these weeks feeling like. No, see, this is God's priority. So, so my question to you is, what will it look like in your life for you to make God's priority your priority? For you to realize that our God's not looking to point his finger at you. He's not just trying to take more from you. 
He's actually trying to give more to you. He has more for you. He has a life that's actually better for you to experience better. In this binge-hungry culture of ours, I want to challenge you in this series to think maybe, just maybe, there's an answer to experiencing, truly experiencing better. Amen? This God of ours that loves you, that we've been talking about this whole time, he wants to do even more for you today. And the thing he wants to do for you is he wants to give you a piece of himself, his very body and his very blood, that's in with and under the bread and wine that you're going to receive today in communion. Our guidelines are up on the screen if you want to know more, you want to understand what's going on here today. One of the ways that we prepare for that is we're going to be praying, and we're going to pray and our God says, you know what? I want so much more for you that I offer you to just hand over your sins, hand over your struggles, hand over the things that are been, have been weighing you down, hand over the things that you walked in here with thinking that they don't make you good enough for him. And instead of making those things that are things that separate you from him, allow those things to be things that you hand over to him today. And so we're going to pray and then and there's going to be a moment of silence, a moment of quiet. In that moment, those are things you're going to be able to, it's in your head, just kind of give over to him. That's going to prepare our hearts to receive communion today. So let's pray. Father God, we come to you. God, we come to you so grateful, God. That God, you're a God that loves us. God, you find so much value in us that you created a world of beauty God, a world that has intricate beauty for us to explore and to enjoy. God, thank you that you also give us a church to be able to come to, to be able to explore your word, and maybe even some words that we don't always understand. God, thank you that we have those that will walk alongside of us. Thank you that we have resources that allow us to dive into and to better understand what's going on there. God, I just pray that as we walk along this journey in Hebrews, as we walk along this journey in this series, God, that you would draw us here every single week. God, that we would be challenged, but God, mostly that we would be renewed by the fact that you want more for us. And God, right now, that's what I pray as we leave a moment of silence here, God, as you hear our hearts, as you hear our minds, God, that we would lift up to you those things that have separated us from you, that have made us run the other way from you, God, that have made us turn away and maybe even run from your church or run away from those close to us. God, I ask you to hear those thoughts, those prayers, those confessions, those things that are on our hearts and weighing us down right now. God, hear those things in this moment. God, thank you that we can come to you. We can be real with you. We can be honest with you. We don't have to run from you or hide from you anymore because 
God, you've done everything. You came down. You've made yourself human. You suffered. Also that you could show us that you understand. You paid the price for us so that we could have a relationship with you. So God, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the wholeness that you bring to us, that you offer it to us each and every day. God, we rest now in that. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray for you every single day that you know that and that you hear that, not just as a prayer that goes over your head, but words that are spoken into your head and into your heart that you live in every single day. And because of the grace of Jesus Christ, because of what he did by living and then dying and rising again, you are forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's this same Jesus who loves you so much that he wanted you to have a piece of himself that gave you forgiveness and grace in a real and tangible way. And that's why on the night when he was betrayed, he, broke, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, take and drink, this cup is my blood, which is a new covenant for the forgiveness of your sins. This do as often as you drink of it, remembering me. So now come and receive, receive forgiveness. Forgiveness found in the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus, especially for you. And if you need prayer, as soon as you're done receiving communion, there are going to be those who are in the back. They're ready and willing to pray with you, to do even more for you. Right along the back wall, just for you. Come, the table's now ready. You please stand. And now may this true body, this true blood, for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, may it strengthen you and preserve you in the one true faith till you get to see him face to face. Receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace of knowing, man, does he love you? Does he make a priority of you? And he wants so much more for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. I pray that every week, the next four weeks, keep coming back each and every week to experience what God has for you. Uh, make sure if you're a teacher, you grab one of these kits. We need prayer. We still have those in the back. They're ready to pray for you. Go out there. Find out what's going on around these places. Grab some coffee, cookies. Come say hi to us. We'd love to get to meet you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.